This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Welcome back. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the number. Um, well, you know, as you know, probably if, uh, if Pat's a big uh, fan of tourism to Haiti, and I just put it out there the way it is. Uh, he likes to visit, goes there all the time. Um, oh, <laughs> if by all the time you mean once? Oh, you can. Of course, you could obviously exactly try to right. minimize this. But Jeffy, how many times have you been there? I don't want to ask you. I haven't <coughs> been there at all, uh, and uh, I know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Pat is a huge fan. Huge. Oh, um, man. Did you buy a condo while you were down there last time? Uh, three. Three condos. Three condos. Uh, all around Haiti, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting. And, uh, and I, you know, we now have uh, another uh, friend of the show, uh, Dan Andros, also a huge uh, fan of tourism to Haiti. And uh, he joins us now uh, from faithwire.com. Dan, welcome to the program. Hey. Yeah. Are you, like, comfortable, uh, are you comfortable with this uh, introduction? That was a... It was an interesting, interesting right? <laughs> uh, I'm surprised I didn't get the uh, Hades Lovely, especially this time of year. No, you didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> well, Sue's never also, been, he wouldn't know. You also didn't get the Bad Idea jeans. When's the last next time I'm going to make it to Haiti? Uh, which right. is uh, it's a much more <laughs> it's a much worse <laughs> reference. So I, I wanted to give you that as well. But you actually both of you went down there to do really positive things for the people who are having an incredibly difficult time down there, and it had to be interesting to see that kind of firsthand. Yeah, I mean, it is something to see. I mean, Pat, I mean, were, were you in, where were you, Pat? Port-au-Prince? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the trash there, I mean, it's just hard to explain even as many pictures as you see to actually drive through the city and see the amount of trash everywhere. There, I don't know, mm-hmm. you went by the river of trash. Like, it's just a dried up riverbed that goes through and it's just completely filled with trash. Jeez, and And... Yeah, it really is something to see. And you wonder, I mean, it's the 2010 earthquake, a huge flood of, of donations came in, you know, outpouring of support from the world, $13 billion. And now, six years later... Holy uh, cow, was it... Thir- I thought it was like $4 billion. $13 billion? $4 billion was just from the United States. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. So the rest of it, you know, the, the United States government actually, and then the rest of like private private charities and everything else got thirteen billion dollars and now they're actually poorer now than they were before twenty you know really before bad. the earth. Well, you know why? Yes. All of that money was uh, uh, I I mean, you can almost guarantee was squandered by the corrupt government. All that money probably went to the local officials who pocketed it. I mean, we yeah. s- we went through uh, Port-au-Prince and there were actually USA donations printed on the side of boxes that were for sale on the side of the street <laughs> from vendors who had somehow gotten a hold of this aid that we sent there and now they're selling it to people. Yeah. So. And this is I mean, what everyone was telling me there when I went was this I mean, this is pretty much from what I saw a classic, I don't know, it's like a, a macrocosm microcosm of why handouts actually don't work because mm-hmm. um, obviously we want to help people and you want to send things and immediate things like food and, and those mm-hmm. sorts of things are definitely necessary but the flood of stuff that came in actually is a detriment to the economy there because now i mean what what is a local retailer uh gonna do about selling shirts when you know hundreds and hundreds of boxes and mm-hmm. crates of shirts come in and they just hand them out i mean i i was mm-hmm. interacting with a guy i was wearing my redskins hat and uh and this guy was wearing a Cowboys jersey, and I was kind of joking with him, you know, hey, Cowboy. And he was looking at me like I was from Mars. And then I realized, like, oh, that's right. He doesn't really care about the Cowboys. He right. just got the shirt right. from, you know, off yes. the truck or something. Well, <laughs> you know, nobody cares about the Cowboys. But, yeah, I do, yes. uh, I do uh, appreciate that. Because, that, that, you know, I had never thought of it that way. Because we talk about the corruption. We talk mm-hmm. about how government isn't efficient. Mm-hmm. But this is the same thing we face here with things like, for example, Wi-Fi. Where, and again, first world problem. But you have the situation where the government's like, well, everyone should get Wi-Fi, and that's why we're going to provide it for everyone. And then they build these networks, and Verizon's like, well, we just dumped $3 billion into Wi-Fi in that area, right. and, and now you're just going to give it away for free? We're the ones getting screwed out of this, and no one feels bad for the big businesses. But I'm sure that happens with local vendors there. I mean, like, all the, if the basic needs are met for a short period of time, and your business is providing basic needs... You go out of business. Yeah. And clearly no basic needs are being met there whatsoever. I mean, I went to a town that was actually hit by the hurricane. And actually they were telling me, you know, because the election, you know, the United States election happened shortly after that hurricane just pummeled Haiti, uh, the, the western, southwestern tip of Haiti. And um, they were actually saying that that was a blessing in disguise that the media sort of moved on from it, even though they had to bury a thousand people in mass graves because over a thousand people died Jeez. there. Um, but they were like, you know, I'm actually glad that, that the media sort of moved on from that and didn't, we didn't get the flood of all this extra stuff that would just end up causing more problems. Um, so they've been able to deal with that. I mean, they're still dealing with the, with the uh, mm. aftermath of, of that hurricane, and it's still bad. I mean, I went out to that town, and you're seeing some of the pictures out there. And pretty much all the trees, I mean, like, if there's a tree standing left, it's got basically no leaves left on it. I mean, that thing got absolutely... Um, pummeled but uh um but it's amazing to see i mean the people there this is something the media doesn't usually show you and, and what i'm hoping to show in our, our upcoming special on faithware.com is is just the spirit of the people there and you know obviously there's problems and there's issues but i mean they're living in trash i mean i saw kids that just like they were walking around with like no clothes and mm-hmm. you know just just going to the bathroom out and out in piles of trash that were out mm-hmm. like oceanfront beautiful caribbean oceanfront and they're just stacking trash up there and going to the bathroom but 
but yet that the spirit of the people they're 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 always smiling at you they're very friendly um you know i would mm-hmm. there was church service all day long these people were like really really you know getting after worship worshiping god and 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 um and going to church and, and it was just something to see like the whole entire day sunday you know americans wouldn't do that and we have pretty much everything you could possibly want <laughs> were, were you in port-au-prince too or were you somewhere else yeah, I was in Port-au-Prince, but uh, I pretty much just drove through it. I didn't actually stay there. I, I was I was amazed, Dan, at, at the amount of rubble still left over from the earthquake. Uh, it's amazing yep. how much destruction is still visible. And it, that happened in 2010, so we're, it's seven years later Jeez. now. And they still haven't even cleaned up the rubble from the... With $13 billion, they still haven't even cleaned up the rubble from the earthquake. Uh, it's yeah. shocking. It is shocking. And you almost get the sense that they're just like, whatever, we'll just deal yeah. with, a, you know, because they're just yeah. so used to the corruption. Actually, the town I went out to that got hit by the hurricane, they don't even, there's not even really like cops out there because like, basically local gangs like run, <laughs> run the areas because they're so fed up with mm-hmm. it that, you know, uh, when cops would come rolling in there, they just shoot at them. And then cops were like, all right, fine, forget it. We're, you, you guys police yourselves. Good luck with that. Jeez. So it's just run by, you know, these gangs. And I actually interviewed one of the gang leaders, and that was a pretty wild experience. I was following a missionary around, and um, her story was pretty wild. When, when uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Guy Philippe. He's sort of like a local Pablo Escobar there. But the United States actually just extradited him, arrested him. They wanted him for like 10 years on drug charges. And um, he got arrested. He got elected to the Senate there because, again, he's like a Pablo Escobar. He does say hey, he does nice things for the people. So they, they kind of look the other way on the drug dealing stuff. Uh, so but they, he would have had immunity if uh, if he was actually sworn in. And so the DEA got in four days before he was supposed to be uh, sworn in and they and they extradited him. Well, that caused riots out. In, yeah. yeah. And then that caused riots. And they started they flipped out over that. Uh, in this area. And so all of the Westerners, all of the, uh, you know, um, foreigners had to get out of there. And so the UN, anybody with a missionary just fled, except for this one girl who's like 23 years old. Her family has a long history of doing uh, missions work there. And she just decided to stay. And um, she was kind of in hiding for a couple of days. And so after a couple of days, she's like, you know what, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, just get me a meeting with these you know, gang leader guys, she told her friends. And so they did. They drag in the middle of the night, they take her to these gangs and like a it was like a scene wow. from twenty four the way she described it. And she basically just told him. She was like, look, she's like, guys, what you're doing is not helping. You you're burning stuff down and you know, violence was going on. And you know, people a couple people got killed. And um they were so blown away that she had the guts to go stand up <laughs> in front of them that they like loved her. And so now she's wow. sort of like a little local kind of celebrity there and so i went and tagged along with her for a couple of days and, and i interviewed one of these gang leaders and that was that was quite a wild experience but um yeah really lawless out there and um uh you know just they're sort of governing themselves and um you know just really something to see it's, it is incredible too watching the some of the footage you we've been running here that you took while you were in haiti to see you know the trash and the destruction and the rubble and then every once in a while, every third or fourth picture, you ju- it just pans to take this beautiful mm-hmm. picture of every oh. resort that's in my head that I've ever been to. Yeah, it's uh, breathtakingly it, beautiful. It, beautiful. And, I mean, I, you know, there's, I, there's all this land there. There's, I mean, you know, with that, if you go to an island, you know, 50 miles to one side of it, it would be probably millions of dollars. And there, oh. it's probably nothing. 
Yeah, and the place I stayed at it was this little church on a hill, you know, a few hundred feet up a hill, you know. So the view, I mean, you woke up, the view was spectacular. I mean, this would be a multi-million dollar view on any other economy in the planet practically. And so you do look at that and you're like, man, you're like, if they could just get a tenth of where they're at now, like this, this would be an amazing turnaround. And so, um, but that is what they're trying to do. A couple of the groups I, I met with um, and, and interviewed, um, instead of having this influx of just stuff and just handouts, which does cause an entitlement mentality, even among people mm-hmm. who have nothing, it's just on a lower scale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're promoting a, a different way of doing things. Sort of like, you know, you go on these missions trips and it's like, you know, you go paint a fence and like, hey, do we save the day. Right. Well, th- they're kind of trying to create a new attitude of it. And it's more of like a mission tourism where you go there and you're not there to save the day and se- save the world in seven days. But you're just there and you go and you spend your money in the economy. You go and you, you know, build relationships with people there. You get to know them. You actually, you know, go to a restaurant down there instead of just, um, you know, trying to be a savior in a couple of days. And so it's, mm. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a long road to go. And, um, but, I, you know, I think that's the way to go. I think that's a really cool way of approaching things because, you know, they, they do need, you know, they don't even see, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that beauty, Stu. And people would ask me, so this is your first time in Haiti? And I'd say, yeah. And they'd say, what do you think? And I go, this is, this is spectacular. It's beautiful. And they'd look at me like I had four heads, like what? Like this is, there's trash everywhere and this place is a mess. And I, but I'm seeing just the natural beauty and I'm like, this is stunning, you guys. You well, know, and, yeah, um, it's like, I mean, the natural beauty is very uh, Jamaica-esque, which is another very poor country, but not quite in the situation that Haiti's in. And they've, mm-hmm. they've actually built resorts in Jamaica, and they've, they've taken advantage of the natural beauty. In Haiti, I don't, I don't know that there's even a resort. Is there, is there any kind of infrastructure there? Is there any sort of tourism going on? Because it could, they could take advantage of that natural beauty and really be on to something, but they don't. And it would also be hard, I guess, to overcome the perception at this point. Yeah, um, and, they, and, and I think, too, that they need, they sort of need the encouragement because, you know, uh, what this one guy does, um, the Hands and Feet Project, they are building like a little mission hotel, and it's sort of like the first step in, uh, in sort of a, you know, larger world into kind of creating that mentality like, hey, yeah, we have stuff to offer here. Mm-hmm. But but he'll ha- he'll have to go down to the beach. Now these are these beautiful Caribbean white sandy beaches. He has to go down and tell them, "Hey guys, I've got a group of people coming in this weekend, and I'm going to take them down to the beach. So be ready. Like otherwise, they just don't clean it up. They'll just like leave you know leave the trash around. So they so there's a lot of work that needs to be done to sort of change their attitude to you know because they've just been dealing with so much corruption yeah. that they just had they just had a presidential election and you know uh, they were telling me. You know, he was trying to, you know, the guy that runs that, the, the mission resort down there, he was trying to get his, all the people that he employs, you know, to do the, the labor and stuff. Hey, what, what about this election coming up? And it's total apathy. Total apathy. They're just like, eh, mm. you know, our life's still going to, you know, be generally crappy, you know, otherwise. I mean, I mean, you, you got to realize. Because that's all they know. Around. Yeah, that's all. They, they have nothing. That's I mean, all they know. This guy actually helped a friend. Because yeah, they don't even know the education's so bad. Like they, they lost a baby because they weren't feeding them properly. They didn't understand that. They were like, oh, the baby's not crying. Well, it stopped crying because it's not because it's not hungry, but because you weren't feeding it enough. It just gave up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he actually mm-hmm. took, the ba- took them in to, to sort of help them you know, with their next baby because uh, you know, the same thing was happening. And the guy was so mm. afraid. The guy was so afraid to stay with him and accept the help. Listen to this. 
because he didn't want his child to grow up expecting a fan and a light bulb. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my gosh. It's another freaking world. And so close to us as well. I mean, it's amazing. You think of this stuff over in, in you know, Africa and in parts of Asia that are really poor. And this is right off our coast. And, I mean, and to your point on the resorts, it shares an island. Haiti shares an island with the Dominican Republic, which has mm-hmm. tons of resorts. I was there on vacation a couple of years ago. I mean, it is, uh, it's, it's another world. And, and it seems like Haiti just always seems to get the worst of it. And Thank God yeah. people will go there like the people you're talking about and, and, and go there to help. And also people like Pat who just are big fans of the tourism. <laughs> just big fans just and big just fans. love to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, there, but there, go. Are, there are people doing really good things, and that's what we're going to try to show. And, you know, because you don't want to waste your – you want to help. And I know people want to help, and that's why $13 billion went there. Sure. Um, but, but it needs to go to a different direction and not just to, like, so you're these saying, giant NGOs that are screwing things up. You're saying, Dan, the way to, the way to help out is just to go there and – and enjoy it as a tourist, sort of, and just spend money, stay there, eat food, do those kinds of things. Is that right? Yeah, and, is that essentially yeah, it? I, yeah, I mean, that's the idea that they have. I don't think they're there yet. I mean, I think to what you were saying, like, it's not like you can go to Port au Prince. Like, you wouldn't really <laughs> right. want to, you would not want to go to Port au Prince and just walk around by yourself. Like, you that really would wouldn't. You really cool. wouldn't want to do um, that. So, so. so you, you definitely, I mean, like, this place, you know, the Hands and Feet Project, they, they employ lots of local people. That, that's the idea. And I think that's why it's called a mission resort for now, because this is where missionaries would go, because that's typically who's going there. Mm-hmm. Um, so but that it, but but those are the sorts of groups I think that you should look at if you're looking to, you know, help people out. I think uh, people like the Hands and Feet Project and ones that are focused on more long term empowering sort of the local people there. Those are the ones you want to sort of give to not somebody who's just going to dump in a bunch of extra supplies, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, just drop them there, and like you said, you see the you see them getting sold all around in the black market. Actually, the gang leader I interviewed, the USAID tarp, was on his. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, all funny. right. So some of the footage uh, that you, we've showed here today is is all part of a bigger project you're working on at Faithwire. When you, I mean, I know it's going to take some time to put together. When do you expect it to be uh, all ready to go? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going through all the footage now. So um, hopefully within a couple weeks, I'll uh, you know just if you just check faithwire.com, we'll. Uh, will uh, alert you when I have an official date. But yeah, it's going to take a little time to get through all the footage. And you know, I was up there for four days. And um, yeah, so going through it now and uh, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, cool. Dan Andros, uh, faithwire.com. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I, I talked to him uh, over the weekend and he, there's a ton of really amazing stories uh, just from a few days being down there that he told. And I know you guys told uh, some really incredible stuff as well from just being down there. It really does set your... Uh, perspective. I mean, it resets mm-hmm. what you expect out of life as a human being when mm-hmm. you go to these areas. It's one of the reasons why I try to avoid them as much as possible um, because I like my coddled little bubble. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know the, I mean, the, the big screen TVs are here. Yeah. The cars that drive when you want them to drive. Cell phones. The drive-thrus with all the food and, and all the smartphones. Yeah. It's really nice here. Six percent of their population say- has car has a car. Six percent. It only took 6%. them years. Well, how many years since 2010? Yeah. Is that right? Since yeah, just seven years long? to not clean up the rubble. To figure out that, you know, what we should do is rebuild and make resorts and bring people in. <laughs> well, I don't think they're doing it because they're dumb, Jeffy. <laughs> I think it's because they're trying to get through every day alive. Yeah. Um, and I will say that, you know, it, it, it does, I think, not only does it reset... Because I think most people think, well, it's going to be, I'm going to be so depressed and it's going to be a depressing thing and it's going to reset the way I think about the world. And all that's, I think, good. 
particularly for people of faith to, mm. to do that sort of thing every once in a while. But in addition to that, it also makes you appreciate capitalism. Yeah, yeah, no you know, it makes you appreciate rule Count of law. Here. It makes you appreciate the things that we have here. Yeah. Um, and I will say, if, because I've been saying this for years, if they had just listened to Jeffy. Thank you. Uh, after 2010, thank you. There may have been a different solution. Huge I remember listening solution. to a little sh- listening to a little show called The Fisher Files, uh, airing on uh, 970 <laughs> WFLA, uh, Tampa, Huge Florida. Solution. One weekend, and Jeffy, you pretty much solved the Haiti crisis. If I, mean, I, remember. I, was, I did, and I, and I have to go back and look exactly what the the full because uh, you don't even remember your own plan. I don't even remember my own plan. It's been so long now. They they didn't they didn't take it. They didn't do anything with it. I did not. Do you remember what it they was? They threw it away. They <laughs> talked about making Haiti. I believe we were gonna. We were gonna. The United States needed to make Haiti either a state or. A, I think uh, it was a state. I think it was, you went straight for statehood. Fifty yeah. first state. And then, I mean, we have resorts. Mm-hmm. We have uh, gambling casinos, and we bring in the NFL. Yeah, you were you were talking about basically <laughs> opening it up to every vice and travel thing like that we could possibly have. They, uh, I, I would not have been surprised if legalized drugs were part of that. I don't know that Port-au-Prince is the most appropriate place for the NFL, uh, since no. I don't think they even know about American football but, there. But they were wearing Cowboys jerseys, um, as thank we just you. learned. Yeah, okay. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> we certainly don't have that situation, but you never know what could go wrong in life and when you might need... Like some extra food in your house because... Uh, yeah. I, look, I think about that situation for a minute. I mean, if you were in Haiti and, and <clears throat> were able to be... Obviously, there's some areas that <laughs> you had no chance after the earthquake and all the other crap that's gone on. But, I mean, you know, with society sort of breaking down, um, you know, it happens obviously more often in a third world country, but it's not exclusive to them. I mean, we've seen this in many areas around the world and even in, in, for short periods here... Um, I mean, New Orleans comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place you, could, you couldn't go buy food. You couldn't go get the supplies that you needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why my Patriot Supply is an easy step to take care of, uh, of this. And Houston, Texas comes to mind. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't think of Houston, Texas as a third world nation. And yet, in like two days, it, it, society completely changed because everything was closed. You couldn't get gas. You couldn't get food. You couldn't get money. So there are some ways that you can prevent starving during those times, which is really kind of, I don't know, important. With easy-to-prepare emergency food that tastes really good and it lasts a long time, like 25 years, you can get four weeks of this food for $99. That includes the shipping. Yeah, and you know, easiest thing, if you have a family of four, start with this package and knock out a week for four people. Yeah. Uh, and then you can always add on another one later when you have a little bit of extra money. To get, some, to get, get the basics for a month is something that is easy to take care of. Uh, my Patriot Supply makes it simple as far as the process goes. We don't have to deal with all the stuff Pat's talked about in the past with trying to rotate food and, 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 and you know, keep things... Uh, Clear out the bull weevils. Out. So it, always, it always comes back to bull weevils <laughs> in this discussion. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to do that stuff with my Patriot Supply because it's designed specifically for this purpose. Call them, 888-411-5290, 888-411-5290, or preparewiththeblaze.com. It's preparewiththeblaze.com. Well, we've been, Stu. Hi, hi, Stu. Hi. We've been looking at uh, history quite a bit over uh, the, the past couple weeks. We have. Um, Stu's right on that. That's. 
In our recent history, we've been talking about history. Mm -hmm. um, how about the child of former slaves that grew up in a violently racist deep south, uh, C.J. Walker. She rose from uh, uh, poverty, from abuse, from the darkest of times uh, to really have a comeback mm. story that maybe you think only happens in America. Well, if you're Don King, you'd say it that way. Um, unless, of course, it happened in another place, then you'd say it another way. But this one happened in America, so we can say only in America. C.J. Walker, watch. In every story, there's a hero or heroine, and there is a villain. I wasn't looking, I swear to you, I wasn't looking for this when I started this story. I didn't even know that it was gonna start in the office of Woodrow Wilson, villain. But there's lots of villains in this particular story. Um, but let's start here, Oval Office. Madam C.J. Walker. She's waiting outside of the Oval Office to meet with President Woodrow Wilson. Now, this is at a time when uh, the KKK is on the rise. Woodrow Wilson has resegregated everything. It's the, the black-white relationship is just grinding up against each other. And she knows, I have a chance. I have a chance to change everything. Here she is standing in, the, in front of the most powerful office in the world. Woodrow Wilson surely is going to meet with her. Yet, she's black. 52 years after the Civil War, and he's taking us back. He's resegregating. Blacks and whites were together. The Klan and, and Woodrow Wilson are trying to bring back the golden years of the South, and lynchings are on the rise. Um, 50 victims in the year right before she goes, and she's there in the Oval Office. She's thinking of the 50 victims, because that's why she's there. She wants to meet with the president. How can we stop the lynchings? There was a race riot um, the month before in St. Louis, killed 39 black Americans. Um, president was absent, didn't say a word about it, didn't lift a finger. So she says, we have to go and meet the president. And, and she really believes, I can change the course here. I, can, I have come against the odds. I have come this far. My entire life has led to this moment. And what am I going to say when he opens up the door and welcomes me in? That's the only thing separating her from power and great profound change. Just that door. Let's go back in time. Let's go back just after the Civil War, 1867, 50 years before. It's the post-Civil War uh, South, and black women um, are like women, Christian women, now in the Middle East, the very bottom of the barrel. Last person you're gonna spend a dime, spend a moment thinking of, doing anything to help, is a black woman. You are the lowest of the low when it comes to human life. So if you're a black woman born in the South, even after slavery was abolished, you have a station in life, that's where you stay, that's it. Your options for making a living, you can work in the house as a domestic servant, um, 
If you're strong, you can work as a field hand, you can cook, you can do laundry. Laundry now, anybody who thinks, you know, laundry, well, that, okay, that wouldn't be bad. Forget the washing machine. And the wage is pitiful. This is the world she's born into. People now talk about, oh, I have no opportunities. I No, no, no. She had no opportunity except the promise that if you have an idea and it's better than everybody else's and you work hard and you have a little bit of luck on your side, you can make it. She doesn't believe that yet. Nobody, nobody black, no black woman believes that surely. She lives in a shack in Delta, Louisiana, just across the, the Mississippi River from Vicksburg. And um, four years before she was born, General Grant staged the uh, 1863 siege of Vicksburg from the plantation where her parents were slaves at the time. So Sarah's childhood is spent in this dangerous climate of, of white Southern resentment and violent racism. Right after the Union wins in the Civil War, um, the blacks are a little afraid. The whites are afraid. They don't, they don't know how to work. Booker T. Washington talks about this. They don't know how to work. They don't know how to run the plantation. They know how to run the whip. They don't know how to do the things. Blacks don't know how to necessarily run anything. They don't know how to be independent. They depend on the slave owner and the slave owner depends on them. Thanks to the passage of the 13th, 14th and 15th amendments, slavery was abolished. Blacks had the right to citizenship and black males, no woman had the right to vote at the time, black males were granted the right to vote. So all over the South, when the black man could vote, he did, and he'd crawl through broken glass and a fire to vote. And he always voted Republican. So all over the South, black Republicans were now serving. And the white Southerners, it drove them out of their minds and they vowed revenge. And they found, let's say, creative ways to skirt the, con the, the uh, Constitution and the laws that guaranteed the right of the black man. And we now know them as Jim, Jim Crow laws. And a new terrorist group steps up. This terrorist group is a political group. It's a democratic political group. Um, their job is to stop the Republicans. Not the black man, the Republican. And they would do everything they could to restore the South and the honor of the South. And that meant any white man, any black man that was helping the Republican dead. Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant um, actually used force to combat the Klan for a while. Um, but then the Union Army withdrew from the South and now unchecked the Klan. Their power just grew and things became horrible. And without the Union to, to help protect the right to vote, um, a lot of people just never made it to the polls. And of course, then Jim Crow, the Jim Crow laws, well, for your protection, we need to take away your gun. Now, here's how screwed up things were. 
The Democrats at the time were called Redeemers. The Southern Democrats, they were just known as Redeemers because they were redeeming the South from the backward scenario of having black men have any kind of authority whatsoever in society. And when we redeem the South, well, then the rights of the blacks will be gone. And in some states, they wanted to make it illegal for a black man to even be um, unemployed, which, <laughs> what? How, I, what am I gonna do? I'm breaking the law. If you won't hire me, I'm breaking the law. This combined with a sharecropping um, system was, it was back to slavery. Sarah's father was a sharecropper. And like most former slaves, he barely eked out a living for his family. And by the time that Sarah was old enough to, you know, enter into first grade, the Louisiana public schools shut down because the state government wouldn't fund them. Why? Because all those kids, they're all black. This was a reason why the federal government was important in the schools back then. The teachers were harassed if any school was open. The, um, the schools were burned down. Um, sometimes the teachers were even killed. Sarah's only education came from Sunday school when she would go to church and she would listen to Sunday school. She was an orphan by the time she was um, seven years old. Her parents died. She had no place to go. I think this is why her whole life she was looking for structure or maybe a dad, a disciplinarian, maybe. She was taken in by her older sister, um, but she was abused by her sister's husband, Jesse Powell. She would later say he was cruel. She didn't speak a lot on these issues. Um, but it was a frightening roof to live under when you were a young child. But it is because of those things and the, the, the seeds that were planted that the roots started to go down deep in her determination. She could, the, I think the abuse in her life, and I, nobody wishes abuse on anyone, but she used that to her advantage. It's not what happens to you in life, it's what you do with it. And she grew determined to escape. Hey, it's Pat and Stu. Why do Americans refrigerate their eggs? We're going to tell you that in uh, just a second, but I'm really pissed off about this Melania Trump thing. She yeah. uh, stood up at, right. at the get-together, was it yesterday? It was yesterday, right, in Don't Florida? Saturday, I think. Maybe Saturday. And she read the Lord's Prayer mm -hmm. to start. She's, at the start, she said, thank you for the applause. Let us pray. And went right to the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Okay? Um, so the left and the atheists in this country are just apoplectic over this. Somebody tweeted out, 
Melania starts the dictatorship rally with the Lord's Prayer. Not, and all caps, not every American is Christian. A, neither is the Lord's Prayer necessarily. B, so what? <laughs> A woman can't pray because not every American is Christian? Who made that rule? What is that? <laughs> you know what? It, 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 amazingly, it's not a rule. It's not a <laughs> it's rule. Not a rule. You're not a law. Not, not a suggestion. Not a regulation. Nothing. It mm. isn't a thing. It's not so a separation what? of church and state. Not a thing. Um, first Just of all, like there's no rule, there's no thing like that in the there's, Constitution. There's not a. There's not that thing in the Constitution. Also, in addition to man. that, um, it wouldn't mean that the even if there was a that thing, it would mean that Congress. Uh, would not make laws uh, about religion. It would not mean that the first lady couldn't pray. That's right. Not, that's not just part of how it. stupid people so stupid. are. That's just so ridiculous. And then her last line is "country over party." What? What does that mean? I mean, first of all, you're. you're I guess you're saying that only Republicans pray. Um, secondly, like the country can't handle a prayer. If you don't how like, if you're we? not Christian. You just don't listen to it. Who cares? It's, it's, it's really, a, this is a strange phenomenon to me. I, I can't understand the people who, who yell every time somebody prays who is a government official or a government official's wife and says not every American is blank, not every American is Christian, not every American is Jewish, and so what? So? so. Uh, that has no effect on what happened. So what? I... I but we, we always kowtow to these people. Yep. We always say, well, yeah, you're right. We'll try to be sensitive to your feelings and maybe not pray in your presence or even not in your presence to where somebody could show it to you. Okay, well, try not to do that anymore. That's what happens every time yep. is we cave to this, and I want it to stop. I want to stop caving. And I think the Trumps are just the people to do that to because they don't care. No, yeah, I hope They so. don't care. No, so. yeah, you shouldn't. Um, you should care about are your eggs. <clears throat> I love eggs. I do too. I'm a big fan. The love incredible them. edible egg. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are incredible. They are edible. Um, here's the <laughs> interesting part about this. Uh, there's a story in the New York Times, uh, and the headline was "Why do Americans refrigerate their eggs?" Which, of course, led me immediately to respond: it's Somebody the right thing doesn't. To do. wait, yeah, wait, I know. Who doesn't refrigerate right. their eggs? <laughs> Well, apparently these stupid European countries just like leave them out on the counter in a basket. It's, well, yeah. uh, the answer to the question is almost the rest of the world yeah. doesn't. I know. Amazingly, the answer yeah. to that is it, it basically is true. And the reason why we refrigerate them and most people do not is because we wash our eggs while others do not. And that's another question that popped in mind is why the hell wouldn't you wash your eggs? That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so disgusting not to refrigerate them, mm-hmm. disgusting not to wash them. Mm-hmm. Not, okay, but... Both true. Okay, go, go on. And uh, I think you don't need egg expert, you just make it expert, and then, then people would know <laughs> that Jeffy's an expert. <laughs> I am an expert. You are. I am an uh, So, um, uh, now the idea there is to control salmonella. So if you have more than 3,000 hens... Uh, in an area, you have to wa- wash them. It's a, obviously you know salmonella is bad. And I want to um, know why farmers with less than three thousand 
don't have to wash yes. their eggs. And because I, it's what an is arbitrary that about? number made up by the government regulation. Yeah. It, yes. it is. The reason, bizarre. The, the reason the, the idea to come up with an arbitrary number is because the more hens that are in a close quarters, the worse right. the problem is. So right. that's why they try to avoid it. Um, salmonella outbreaks are more prevalent in large operations where the chickens are kept in close quarters, often in cages stacked on top of one another. Some large-scale producers vaccinate their flocks, mm. but not all. Thus, the one-size-fits-all washing regulations. Right. Part and of it's interesting because the vaccination then becomes becomes a problem too and then what they promote is these these chickens are, these eggs come from chickens that haven't been vaccinated for any right. disease they've got every disease known to man <laughs> good uh, this is what i want the farm fresh unvaccinated diseased chicken I want that egg. <laughs> Those you? are the best eggs. Those are the best eggs. Uh, nobody says you have to. You, you're not washing them before uh, you. You take the egg and, and you rinse it off and crack it open and cook it any way you cook it. But mm-hmm. prior to mm-hmm. that is when you want it not washed. I, it really, it, like it's revolting to think about to me. It, it, it's gross to, to not wash. Them. It's gross. It so you wash are washing egg. it. No, you're not. It has come out of a chicken's butt. Yes. I don't know if you know that. It came from well, a chicken's butt. I don't think that's that, gross. No, they have a separate. They have a, step, <laughs> they do they have have a, a separate thing for the egg. But, but still, it's gross. You Either want to wash the separate part I, is gross too. I want my eggs washed <laughs> um, because it came from a chicken's butt. This is a story of American exceptionalism, where we're the only that's people serious. in America, in the world, serious. that have figured it's out more proof. that it's gross. <laughs> I mean, not to mention, let's just say they were washed, mm-hmm. leaving them out. On a counter at room temperature. It just doesn't seem smart. Just doesn't seem smart. It sounds gross to me, too. Yeah. Like, I want them refrigerated. I want them to be, so I take them out. And that I, seems like, why don't you put chicken out in the hot sun and just right. let it bake yeah. all day and then eat it? Yeah. It's dumb. That's why we don't do yes. it. That's now, why. If we've grossed you out with food uh, a little bit here, we're going to reverse that process for oh, you. Oh, yes. Because we're awesome. And we were we talking last week about Serendipity 3. We do. It's a restaurant in New York City. However, there's now a few of them. There's one in Las Vegas, apparently. Oh, is there really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so if you ever go to <laughs> Vegas, you go to Serendipity 3. Get the frozen hot chocolate there because it's the most delicious thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. However, they're trying to top themselves here. Uh, and they've come up with a new Sunday. It's only $99. <laughs> Only $99 for this. It's the Treasure Chest Ice Cream Sunday. Watch. I'm excited. Here we go. Okay. Here's what goes into it. Chocolate bucks. Edible gold. 23 karat gold. Chocolate cake. Carrot cake. 14-layer chocolate cake. Whipped cream. Oreo Oreo kisses. kisses. 12 scoops of ice cream. 12? Wow. Only 12? Caramel sauce, marshmallow, strawberry sauce, hot fudge, cookies, waffle cones, chocolates, oh man, crushed cookies, whipped cream berries, I don't want those, cherries, and no. Uh, that's there it is. pretty incredible though. That's pretty, that, that looks, looks pretty great. cool. I gotta say for 99 that bucks, that's cool. a pretty good deal. I mean, that seems like yes, uh, that probably cost them eight. They have another make. Sunday that's a thousand bucks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's it's, the, it's got the, more gold in it. Yeah. The gold thing on food is just Dumb. stupid. That's though. Just, it, yeah, it's, it's just it's, like a pro- like I don't know what it's it supposed seems to be. Like prove. a Roman thing, man. You've yeah. just gotten so opulent right. and ostentatious. That- right. And it, well, and I'm fine with being opulent and ostentatious. I just want it to improve the taste. If yeah. it doesn't improve the taste, don't put it on there yeah. just to make it expensive. It's like I want to prove that even though. It didn't do anything that. for me. I still paid for it. Right. But look Which at is, that. Does that, that look delicious? Jeffy, is there too much bougie sauce on there for you? <laughs> too much bougie sauce. There was no I sauce. I want caramel sauce and hot fudge. 
It's bougie this sauce. Has, this has four sauces: strawberry sauce, strawberry, car- caramel, hot fudge, uh, marshmallow, hot and marshmallow. Oof, that's a lot. Those, those, those particular sauces, uh, I'm uh, good with. Looking, that I would love that. And the cake thing is interesting too, because you're just stacking three pieces of cake yeah. in there. You got caramel, you, or, uh, you got much. carrot cake, you got uh, you got chocolate and red velvet. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. It's deck. almost too much, but not quite. More patents do coming up. In a I second. mean, if you're there at a table with friends, you buy that like one of oh, those yeah. for the table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you're there with Wouldn't Jeffy, and you buy, buy two of them, what? one for him and one for the table. Thank you. Uh, This is an exciting one because uh, today we have Lay's Poppables. Yeah, Lay's Poppables. Did I just hear crunching? You bastard, Jeffy. You are I, the worst. I seriously hate you. I mean, in, in so many ways, we undersell what we do to you on this show. Like, what I oh, want to yeah. say to you is so much worse than what I actually say. I'm sorry, I just, that was sitting right here in front of me. I know it is, as. Okay, the two segments, uh, the two we have today are Poppables. They're <clears throat> brand new from Lay's. Interesting structure here is that they're kind of like. They kind of get a good shot here. Look at, if you can kind of look at that. Look at that. It's kind of like, like the Crispix uh, cereals. Yeah, kind of Crispix. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. They look yeah. just like it. Um, Norton, shocking you made one good point of the day on food. <laughs> um, but the structure is pretty interesting. We have sea salt. Let's start with there. Sea salt varieties. Is that the one you tried already, Jeffy? It is. Mmm. Mm. Darn good. That's good. Tastes like a potato chip, but it's really light and fluffy. It feels kind. like, it feels like they're strong enough to dip, too. Dip in what? Well, so, we start with sauce. milk. Do we start with milk? And then you'd Why would on. you dip these in milk? I don't know. Just no, you like, wouldn't dip these in You're milk. right. These would hold up to a dip yes. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, they taste like if you've ever had them, uh, munchos. Are you guys oh, familiar yeah. with munchos? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are good, too. I like those. And munchos are good. Yeah, they these are. might be better than munchos, I think. But they're from Lay's. You'd expect that. Mm-hmm. And these are the white cheddar variety, oh. which you'd expect to be better. I mean, let's be honest about mm-hmm. it. You put right. white cheddar on a chip, it's going to be uh, better. Oh, definitely better. Mm. Oh, oh yeah, you get that burst of cheddar flavor you do. These from are the good. very first bite. I buy this product. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like these. Very crunchy, delicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are kind of cheesy. These are just sea salty. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they're both yummy. I like them. I'd eat them. Mm-hmm. I will eat them. When we go to commercial, we will continue to eat them. <laughs> um, and uh, but I mean, they're not like a top line chip for me. They're not going to hit the Doritos level. They're, there's no. really they're not that good. I would I would put them the white cheddar. I would give a uh, 14 out of 18, and sea salt. I'll give a 12. I mean, they're good, but like it's sea salt flavor. It's always the most boring. Pat, mm, I'm going to give them mm. cheddar a like a 13, and these a 12. Okay. And um, stupid. What do you? What do you say, Jeffy? That's all. He didn't recognize when I called the him. Ch- Jeffy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cheddar has got to be, you know, fourteen, maybe fifteen. Name a number. And the other one, the sea salt one. I've got to be, you know, maybe twelve and a half. <laughs> There's no half. I hate you. I really do hate you. That's real. Mm.